Today on P4B, we continue the book series with chapters 3 and 4. They are rather short. There will be installments that consist of only one chapter. Footnote 3 regarding Billy Bob. For the record, I don't own a Nazi flag, and I am glad the country was reunited after the Civil War. And, well, my sister is really hot. Welcome to the Political Party Pooper Playbook. And if you thought all we did was sit around thinking up ways to poop on empty suit politicians, well, you'd be half right. Chapter 3, Conservative. Oh, there's nothing better for American conservatism than periodic examples of untrammeled liberalism. George Will, TheRightScoop.com, 10 January 14. The difference between a liberal and a conservative is that liberals think we should be equal at the finish line, while conservatives think we should be equal at the starting line. Barry Goldwater, Jr., WashingtonTimes.com, 17 November 2014. The world is turned upside down. Never have two opposing political camps been more inaccurately mislabeled. When you get a chance, take a gander at merriamwebster.com. Number five in the expanded definition of a liberal is, quote, broad-minded, especially, not bound by authoritarianism, orthodoxy, or traditional forms. Emphasis theirs. That may be so in the long-dead Jeffersonian sense, but in the case of the modern American liberal, or progressive, as they love being known, there is no animal more pig-headed. No one is more enamored with the idea of big government authoritarianism and orthodoxy than the modern American, quote, liberal. And a big, fat government we do have. The emperor, FDR himself, could never have imagined the reach of government into our lives that we have today. This even as convinced as he was that he was the smartest, most evolved creature on wheels. Now, this is a subject near and dear to my heart. I like to make sawdust. It's one of my favorite things in the world. I have been working in a wood shop for over 40 years now. Um, my first project was a dining room table. It was the ugliest thing you ever saw in your life. It was a big piece of plywood with the little legs that you screw in the bottom, a little bit of cheap trim, and what was supposed to be cherry stain. It, it turned out to be this ugly orange table. And when you put a jug of milk on it, everybody had to wait for the table to stop wobbling before they could eat again. It was awful. But, and I've said this to people before, who have, who, people all the way, way back when, who saw that table, if I had never built that table, I never would have built a bedroom set for my son, Ken. And I never would have built a four-poster black walnut bed for Phil. And Pat wouldn't have gotten his living room set. These are all things that came out really good that I built later because I stuck with it. But the learning curve was brutal. All my drawings were in my head. Uh, anything that was on paper looked like cave drawings that only I would understand. 
so I came across a program that I wish I had seen a long time ago. TED's Woodworking Resources. It includes 16,000 plans. I've seen people who would sell plans for, say, Adirondacks chairs for 10 bucks, 20 bucks. Worth it. If you can, if you can get a plan for Adirond Adirondack chair for 20 bucks and do it the way the plan says you do it, you can make those things and make a lot of money or you can make a lot of gifts. You can decorate your lawn. To, to pay a few bucks for a set of plans is fine. This is 16,000 plans. And I, I got to tell you, I, I would have paid them for the free stuff. It's going to take me forever and a day just to get through the free stuff because there's things I want to build already in there. Uh, Lynette needs a new chair to sit and read on. When she sits outside, her wicker chair is destroyed. So, just going with the freebies is great. And you get the 16,000 plans along with the program. So I would definitely, if you're a woodworker and you want to bring the joy back, just, the, just making the sawdust, ripping through the tools, getting the job done, and getting that satisfaction, you definitely need to check out Ted's Woodworking. I would absolutely highly recommend it. I'll leave a button or a link in the text below the audio or video line. Despite the fact big government liberalism has failed miserably at every turn, Libs remain dogmatically devoted to its survival. There is no idea other than liberal doctrine that is acceptable. That liberal was in quotes. And the only way to keep big government alive is through ever-growing authoritarianism. Now, at the same website, look at the definition of conservative. Number 3A is almost comical. Tending or disposed to maintain existing views, conditions, or institutions. Number 3C describes me brilliantly. Taste, elegance, and style. The fact is, those now labeled as conservative have blazed the trail since 1950 toward equal rights, better education, responsible government, and making room for the individual to thrive. Libs now like to cry about the 80s and say it was a decade of greed. But it was the very concepts put into play in the 80s that let Libs graduate from dirty jeans to New York condos. By contrast, Liberals in that same time frame have destroyed education, turned equal rights into a populist ghetto, put half the population on food stamps, and demanded the individual surrender to the Borg, or uh, the collective. Before I get into the definition of what the modern, successful, politically viable conservative is today, let me humbly suggest what he is not. What he is not. He's not a doctrinaire. Despite the label conservative, He's not afraid to swim against the current. Just because powerful people in his own camp cling to an idea, that doesn't bind him. He is a free-thinking, open-minded individual. He is not male, the grammatical convenience often used here notwithstanding. Look at Carly Fiorina and Nikki Haley, who should be running for the Oval Office. Look at Megyn Kelly. Look at her a lot. It's fun. Nor is she white. I give you Crystal Wright, a.k.a. conservative black chick, Condoleezza Rice, the most powerful woman in American history, Stacey Dash. I want to be her stalker. 
At the risk of sounding cliché, some of the best-informed conservatives I know are black and female. One of my favorite people in the world, Jessica Burns, gutsy entrepreneur type, is always the smartest person in the room, if not a bit silly at times, very conservative. And just to put a fine point on it, she is pro-gay marriage. He is not straight. We now have log cabin Republicans. There are strong individual gay voices in the conservative camp. Christopher R. Barron and Jimmy LaSalvia are founders of Geo Proud. He's not Christian, although there is a part of the conservative movement that believes their Christianity is woven into their conservatism. Most do not conflate religious beliefs with political issues and aspirations. Conservatives come from every religious background. And get this, a lot of conservatives are atheists. Dogs sleeping with cats, mass hysteria. A conservative is not a single-issue voter. Scratch the surface of a conservative who can only vote for a candidate who sees life through one issue, gay marriage, abortion, global warming, school prayer, and you'll find a person with a narrow mind and an overblown sense of entitlement and self. In other words, a liberal who is too dumb to know he is actually a liberal. There are exceptions to this rule. When the single issue cuts a swath through the very fabric on which the nation was built, like Obamacare, tyrannical behavior of the chief executive, or war, then you may have single issues that will withstand scrutiny. We are not jealous of what another has. That's petty and leads to diminishing self-respect. We celebrate the success of others and try to emulate the practices of successful people in order to be more successful ourselves. By all means, if the richest guy in town has things or does things that you'd like to have or do, let his life serve as motivation and remind you that you will be there one day as well if you're as willing to work as hard or harder than he has. A conservative is not racist. You will see me more than once in this august tome refer to Billy Bob. He's a mouth-breathing wall Martian who thinks conservatism is about hating minorities, loving Jesus, drinking Jack Daniels, listening to country music, wishing the South had won the war, owning a Nazi flag, and dating your sister. This is one of two stereotypes of conservatives invented by the media and kept alive by rich, morbid, obese, ignorant Hollywood documentarians. The other image is that of the rich guy who loves that people suffer while he sits and counts his money over and over again. I'm going to spend some time with Billy Bob because it is important to dispel the phony notions and because it's fun. There really are people who think they are conservative because they hate minorities, like Robert Byrd did. I know, the irony is so thick you can smell it. These are not conservatives in any form that furthers any real argument or leaves the world or a community any better off. They're not Eisenhower conservatives. His administration authored the Civil Rights Act. Johnson finally got it passed after dragging a handful of Democrats to the table, kicking and screaming. They're not Reagan types. The Billy Bobs of this world never had the guts to get a decent job, much less stake their own claim in this world. They're not W conservatives. 
W's hallmark legislation was no child left behind. Billy Bob's can't read as well as most children and don't care to. And the whole Nazi skinhead thing? Christ, Hitler was first and foremost a socialist. But we have Hollywood and Billy Bob himself saying Billy Bob is a conservative. Give me a break. Here's a thought. The GOP is called the Big Ten. We welcome everybody. Okay, fine. Can we consider chasing Billy Bob back to the other side? He can't read the ballot anyway, or at least have him take a bath? What a conservative is. The following is somewhat subjective. It's based on years of reading the works of conservatives and liberals, judging the validity of their commentary and monitoring results. I've condensed all this into a basic workable concept of conservatism. A good conservative is informed. We gather information from multiple sources. We know our own camp and we know our opponent. There is no way to check one's own beliefs from inside the echo chamber. If you read the Drudge Report and consider yourself aware of your world, you are a lame conservative. Along that same line, a good conservative doesn't accept something just because a politician or celebrity says it is so. A good conservative is responsible. If you have a family, you provide for them. That includes accidental family, even if you don't marry the mother. You leave a place as good or better than you found it. You provide your own retirement. You involve yourself in community and schools. With responsibility comes self-reliance. We're more interested in what we can accomplish in pursuit of our daily bread than we are having bread handed to us. A conservative demands, or should demand, facts. These are the things we need to decide what we will support or reject. For example, there are 47 federal job programs being paid for by productive citizens. Many have not graduated a single applicant. Most have not resulted in a single job. There are no matrices to measure the progress of these programs. Just last week, the White House proposed yet another job training program. No one inside the Beltway has a clue what job skills are in demand right now. This Byzantine circus is among the many things that have to be ended. There are no facts to justify their existence. What's more, we have to do a better job monitoring all these bureaucratic boondoggles. They need to be set right, drastically cut back or shut down. A conservative wants legislators and executives that govern according to the law. What is made legal for one must be legal for all. What is denied one, one state, one race, one school, one person, must be denied all. A good conservative loves and understands new blood immigration brings to the market. Legal immigration. What is legal for one, right? People who wish to come to this country are required by law to go through a process. We don't need new laws. We just have to enforce existing laws. Make the legal process as safe and effective as possible and make life for those here illegally as uncomfortable as legally possible. The problem then solves itself. A good conservative is a conservationist. Not the tofu and granola kind, the real kind. 
You take care of your world. You don't throw your crap on the ground like they do at Earth Day rallies. You hunt and fish, but not indiscriminately. And you don't need a Beltway lawyer to define indiscriminately for you. The world is an asset. You didn't have to purchase it, but you have to occupy part of it. Referring back to the paragraph on responsibility, you leave your world a better place than when you found it. It is the least mark you can make as a human being as well. A conservative doesn't want his representatives to bring home the bacon. He wants them to leave more of the citizens' own earned bacon at home to begin with. A conservative absolutely understands the need for a social safety net for those on hard times. A safety net, not a pillow, upon which one lounges for life. And that safety net should be sustenance and shelter. No one should be able to draw cash in an ATM with a food stamp card. They should only work at supermarkets for the purchase of critical foodstuffs. They shouldn't finance Pringles or high-end running shoes. Wider welfare programs should work the same way. We also believe in human dignity. That isn't found in an unearned life, but in the value of what one does for oneself. Footnote 1, referring to the modern American liberal. In this book, I'm referring to the liberal doctrinaire who populates the left-wing governing class. I have liberal friends who I love and respect, but they are not members of the political elite in the mold of Clinton, female half, or Obama, either half. Footnote 2, referring to how some people on the left see the rich. I will reject out of hand the typical qualifiers I hear at this point. Comments like, well, he just got lucky. Or, what if he just inherited everything? Luck is how the jealous describe the success of others. And if the richest guy in town inherited what he has, find out what his parents or his grandparents did. Such wealth rarely lasts three generations. Footnote 3 regarding Billy Bob. For the record, I don't own a Nazi flag, and I am glad the country was reunited after the Civil War. And, well, my sister is really hot. Footnote 4, when talking about fat documentarians. Can you guess which disgusting, two-faced, lard-ass I'm referring to? Footnote 5 regarding the Judge Report. I read the Drudge Report. This is one of my favorite websites and is an excellent source of information. But my self-confidence as a conservative comes from bouncing my arguments off of sites which do not agree with me. It's how I expand my knowledge base and check for possibilities that may exist outside my own thinking. One of the most direct ways the P4B is supported is through Poe River Furniture and Yard Games. I won't get too specific about who runs Poe River, but he's really good looking and his initials are Matt Jordan. There are a number of one-of-a-kind pieces that I created, including very nice wine stoppers and what I call recycled pallet art. There's also a huge selection of gifts that I designed and had made off-site. Occasionally, you will see yard games listed.
that will depend on how often this podcast allows me to be in the shop. I'll leave a link or a button below so you can shop Poe River. Chapter 4, Issues. Politicians trim and tack in their quest for power, but they do so in order to get the wind of votes in their sails. Ian Gilmore. Dump the phony issues. Fortunately for the true conservative candidate, legitimate issues are few, but you wouldn't know it looking at a modern campaign. Remember when I said that too many people in the country love to be lied to? I also said many think they're electing an emperor to repair their lives for them. Their candidate, like God, is on their side. I hate to burst your obscene bubbles, troops, but neither one of them is. Whatever your concept of a God, he would be a bit busy controlling a universe. It is at once petty and arrogant in the extreme to think he is out there sweating whether Al Pacino Middle School in the Bronx has school prayer or teaches evolution. The candidate is equally busy on a temporal plane. The difference is that the politician will lie and pretend he is interested. God tends to remain rather mute. Now, keep in mind that I'm talking about candidates for federal office. They know such issues, and others like local police matters, local tax issues, etc., are not the things they should get involved in. The guy running for mayor or county supervisor better damn sure get involved in them. They should be the busiest officials in your life. D.C. legislators and the president ought to be the least known or heard from. Federal legislators and the president are not judges. They don't know anything about your town. They have no idea of local tradition, much less your local laws. There is a good reason why voters should embrace this reality. It is the same reason those geniuses back in 1787 limited the scope of our government. The people in South Bend, Indiana, are competent enough to decide, if the issue were to be raised, whether to fly the American flag in front of their schools. If Spotsylvania, Virginia, decided to enact an ordinance saying no illegals can work in their county, that's their business. If your town says that they are going to ban multiple partner marriage and you happen to favor that ordinance, do you want some schmuck from D.C. telling you it must be otherwise? Are you all such idiots that you cannot deal with things without turning to the grand imperial magical gods on Mount Bullshit to wipe the drool from your chins? Of course not. Besides, we are often surprised by the results of such pleadings, aren't we? Justice Roberts just recently stepped into the well, metaphorically speaking, and changed the Obama administration's argument for them. The subject was Obamacare. The pro-socialized medicine crowd had the losing arguments. Roberts, as he did when the administration's arguments contradicted themselves last time, changed the meaning of our language and in a tortured piece of case law made a ruling based on his new fantasy argument. 
footnote six. But until that very moment, anti-Obamacare voters were saying, finally, we're saved from Obamacare because the court couldn't possibly let this one go by. And yet they did. And so it is with social issues. You don't want them to bubble to the surface inside the beltway. They'll pretzel it beyond recognition and then often disappoint you. Keep local and personal issues local and personal. Don't feed the federal pig with excuses to get into your lives. Beyond disappointment is the fact that by dabbling in such issues, including the popular ones, they're exercising a form of tyranny the Constitution intended they not. The federal government has few responsibilities, defense, foreign relations, and interstate trade. They cock that up along with everything else they touch because they, with the help of the courts, have gotten their greasy meat hooks into almost every aspect of our lives. By ignoring the constitutional mandate, they have created an incompetent, overloaded leviathan. It doesn't work and costs too much because no organization, no party, no person can involve itself in so much and succeed. So the candidate who will put the Republicans, and more importantly conservatives, on the long-term winning streak is the guy who says he is out of the social issues business, who has the guts to say that if a bill is sent to the White House dealing with bullying, footnote 7, it will be vetoed and the authors will be called out and ridiculed. Get the cameras and the microphones ready. Tune up your crybaby voice, Chris Matthews. Here's the winning candidate take. Hey, parents, raise better kids. I am not the babysitter-in-chief. A legislative hopeful can make the same pledge to excoriate anyone who introduces bills that are outside the scope of federal authority which assume helplessness on the part of American adults to raise their kids and live their lives. Gay marriage as an example. This is the phony issue of phony issues. It also demonstrates how shallow too many of us are in dealing with the wider world. Militant gays seem to get an almost erotic thrill from destroying the lives of people who don't see life exactly as they do. A beggar might say, you know, I won't be able to work on your wedding cake because it is against my religious beliefs. The normal person may take exception to being turned down by a vendor, but there are countless others out there. So find one. It's a simple process. But what did the perpetually offended do in just such a situation? They did whatever they could to ruin the livelihood and thereby the lives of the religiously conscientious baker. What lowlifes. What asshats. And it isn't lost on me that the whole thing might have been a setup in the first place so some activists could gain some cred with fellow crazies within the gay community. And how could they even hope to be successful at that? It is because this country has made interpersonal relationships the purview of politics and the state. If we weren't busy codifying what a relationship is, there would be no one to cry to if a person says, I don't want to participate in an activity that I strongly disagree with. Which leads to my next point. Issues like gay marriage 
are where politicians go when they find that A, they don't have any real ideas to discuss, or B, want to pander to one segment of the population at the expense of another. To these politicians, specifically conservatives, footnote 8, may I humbly suggest you mind your own goddamn business. What the hell do you care if Maggie and Mary want to get married? The true answer is you don't. In a different context, you'd be kissing Maggie and Mary's butts for votes like you would anyone else's. So stick to the issues we'll be dealing with in future chapters of this weighty tome and don't muddy the waters with crap about who can make a commitment to whom. To both sides of this argument, marriage is a sacrament. It is a throwback to a time when the church was the government. Marriage was a tool for the church to try to cement its control over succeeding generations of their congregation. It also showed them where the new congregants would be coming from. In other words, it was about maintaining power and money. And that is the reason it remained part of the secular government that replaced the church. Here it comes. So you're saying we should ignore a thousand years of tradition. I do hear that often. Tradition is a lousy reason to make a law. It is certainly no reason for the government to concern itself with people's personal affairs. Honor killings are a tradition. Arranged marriages are a tradition. Clitorectomies are a tradition. Does tradition make them any less stupid or uncivilized? Tradition will inevitably give way to advancement. That is a simple fact. Some traditions are kept simply for the enjoyment of the practitioners, but they are not cast in stone. Come on, guys. Did you not see Fiddler on the Roof? There are probably dozens of ideas that can be viewed through the same prism. Flag burning, book burning, Koran burning, TV nudity, online gambling. The leader of the free world and the Congress that writes the laws he must follow have far more important issues to deal with especially when you realize how many of these phony issues we need to flush out of the existing system. So grow up, America, and own your shit. We're not going to deal with it for you anymore. Take this attitude and win. Voters, if you see this kind of a person in a candidate, vote for that person. You'll be happier four years from now that you did. But there is more to consider. You may see much of what is to follow in some of our candidates, if they ever emerge, so voting for them will be easy. Footnote 6 regarding the Roberts interference in the Obamacare case. What do they have on Roberts? Do they have a video of him snorting coke, or playing with hookers, or taking bribes? Or is he just trying to be co-president and get his name written in bold print in the history books? Either way, he is a disgrace to the court. See Obama's top 50 what? At my blog, Pedestrian Politics and Economics. There's a link. Footnote 7, having to do with the bullying comment. Don't laugh. There has been such legislation debated. The federal website, www.stopbullying.gov, says... The U.S. Department of Education's Office for Civil Rights has released several guidance letters on the obligations for schools to address harassment and specific considerations 
for sexual harassment, disability harassment, and the denial of funds. So even without insane legislation regulating children on the playground and big fat meanies on the internet, the government is threatening schools, states, and counties with keeping more of their money over this bullshit issue. Footnote 8. There is no point where gay puts you among or disqualifies you from being a conservative. So let's not box out yet another group from our number. Thanks for visiting the P4B. Please make liberal use of all the buttons and links that support the podcast and help it grow. Send inquiries to Productions at gmail.com.